Today's show is brought to you, of course, by CuffLinks.com. Endgame is here. Use code Endgame30 to get 30% off Marvel products at CuffLinks.com. You can also get Game of Thrones products. Use code GOT20 and you can use our code DVR20 and get 20% off at any time. Go to CuffLinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell, everyone. It's the day of the show. I'm here to talk some feedback with you. Got a little, uh, got a little scratch in the voice. A little bit of sickness hit me. Hopefully, it's not grayscale. But uh, I'm happy to be here with you. I'm happy to be live. It's going good. Just want to make sure everyone in the chat can you hear my audio? Brett, give me a heads up on the audio. How am I sounding? Let's see what happens if I can see if uh, see if anybody can hear me, if it's going good. Audio is perfect. Thank you very much. Fantastic. That's all I needed to hear. If I don't, um, yeah, winter is coming. If I don't, oh, Iron Trone, what's up? What's up, everybody? First of all, thank you, everyone who's here live. And thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find us at podcastwinterfell.com. Email us, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com. I'm going to be doing an initial reaction with Roberto from a pot of cast this evening. That's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, oh, you know what I realized is my audio is probably coming into YouTube bad. I just realized that. Let me fix that right here. Um, Audio input capture. Oh, let's see. How are we doing? Does that audio sound better? Does it sound like it's coming through my uh, podcast mic now? Still getting, still getting used to YouTube, but we're going to flow with it. If somebody tell me if my audio came through better there in the chat, that would help me out. That's awesome. Either way, I'm going to keep on continuing. I'm going to keep on going on. Yeah, Roberto from A Pot of Cast is going to be my guest this evening. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. We're going to be doing an initial reaction to the Battle of Winterfell. I mean, I'm psyched. Uh, this is really going to be an episode that I'm nervous about. I know I'm psyched. I'm nervous. I don't know how to feel. Then I start thinking about how nervous I get about a TV show. And I'm like, oh my God, it makes me even more nervous. Um, I don't know if I'm prepared to see people die. There's some people I feel like they're going to die and I might just be like, oh, that's sad. And then other people I'm going to be like, wow, I didn't consider how the show is going to be different going forward without these people, you know, who you get so used to even in the background. So like, even if it is someone that like a, like Jorah, who I call Jorah friend zone and I kind of make fun of, Oh, it's Jorah, whatever. But then if I see Jorah die, I'm going to be like, wow, man, I'm going to start thinking back, getting nostalgic, getting all the feels and the emotions. And so far this season, I have to say for a season that all the media was about the battles was about the end game, was about Game of Thrones is now just a big spectacle. The great thing is, is that we're two episodes in, right? And it's been all about the characters. It's been all about the emotions. It's been all about the journey that we've been on. And for me, I love that. And I think that that is why I podcast on this show, why I enjoy this show so much 
Because if it was just big spectacle and stuff like that, if I really felt that that's what this show had become, I wouldn't be as enthusiastic about it. And I think that, you know, things are moving faster, but I think that's also natural coming towards the end. And I think it's also natural when you have killed off a great majority of your characters. You don't have as many places to go, you know? And uh, it seems quick because things are actually happening after many years of us kind of, uh, you know, just putting up with, well, you know, Danny will get, Danny will get to Westeros at some point, you know? We know she'll, she'll get there at some point. Um, but then, you know, it takes so long for her to get there. So we shall see. Um, are you, are you getting a little lag? I see someone said in the chat, you're getting a little lag. Uh, I thought I fixed that this time, but, um, Hmm. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's saying check my video resolution, but you know what? I have no lag. Okay. There you go. Maybe you got to low it down a bit. We'll get this live stream thing going. If I keep on looking at the chat and doing all that, I'm not going to get to the podcast and not going to get to the good stuff. So I'm just going to keep on going. But I appreciate the uh, the technical comments. Thank you. All right. I want to start right getting into some feedback. I have some great feedback. I have feedback from Jenny, Rebecca, Anthony, Brett, John, Jim, Ando, Adrian, Dennis, John, John Lee, and I have some from Howard too. So I'm going to try to get to all of that and cover that. And that's going to be fun. So let's get on to it. First off, I want to thank LA Juice, who gave us a great review on iTunes. That was really fantastic. Just talked a lot about Ken and um, how he was really, he or she, who knows who LA Juice is. I just think, I think LA Juice, I thought it was a dude. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, just complimenting Ken and it's such a pleasure to have Ken on and Ken will definitely 100 percentile Ken will be back on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun having him back. We're talking about doing another show during this season and also when it's all over kind of going over the whole thing. And I think that's going to be a great person to do that with. I also want to give a call to positivity. Because we did get an iTunes review, and it's okay. You know, I don't get up too upset, but people are so, people are kind of quick to be negative. It's a lot easier to be negative. And someone wrote us a review because I and Heath forgot Osha's name. We're Asha, Osha, Yara. So we forgot it momentarily. So they took the time to write a review that calling us dopes. That's okay. If that's the worst thing you're going to call me, it's all good. But I say, you know what? Go and give us a good iTunes review. I don't have any problem asking for positivity in the world. I think we do a pretty decent job. We try our best. So so that one's not at the top. Go give us a good iTunes review. We appreciate it. Now I'm going to get to Jenny's feedback. And thank you, Jenny, for writing in. And thank you, everyone. I really do appreciate it. Thoughts on this second amazing episode of Season 8. What a great title. So many feelings in this episode. And I love starting with Jenny because she gives kind of an overview. Loved how Brienne vouched for Jamie when he was having his mini trial and how Sansa trusted her assessment immediately. Sansa has definitely learned what an honorable, trustworthy friend and advisor Brienne is. That's true. I love to see that relationship too because remember she confronted her about lying about Littlefinger. 
and she pushes Sansa to kind of live up to the oath that Brienne took to protect her. And I like that. The, the old stuff isn't always bad. You know, I agree with Tormund, F tradition, but sometimes traditional things like being civil and attempting to have trust or being empathetic, these are good things. You know, these are still human qualities. Um, I liked how Danny and Sansa were both being respectful in their chat and seemed to be getting somewhere. I'd even thought perhaps Danny would do something similar to what she agreed to for Yara and grant the North to Sansa. But that change in her face and quick pull away of her hand showed me I was wrong. I think it was just too soon. Yeah, Danny, uh, she was trying there and we got that meme with her face all happy. That was nice. Um, but she, uh, Danny's just not ready for that. You know, she's just not ready for that. She, she's not ready to give up that idea that she's the all powerful. It's tough. I guess. Why was it that she was so quick to do it with Yara? I wonder. Everybody talks about it, but we don't talk about why she did it there. We talk about that. She doesn't do it for other people. I'd like to go back and watch that scene. Maybe it was that it was a brother and sister and it reminded her of her brother and her and how they didn't get along. I don't know. Theon asking to defend Sands in the North. I had tears. That was really nice. I'm, I'm into Theon. I'm, I'm buying Theon. Not that he can protect Bran, but I like him. I'm noticing how every scene with Danny just keeps showing how absolutely nothing is going her way. Yeah, that's true. Not a lot seems to be going her way. Um, she, uh, she just, it's, it's the ultimate challenge of the, um, of the person in charge, you know, and either flow with it or she becomes kind of overwhelmed in a way, you know, um, and then things kind of push back on her because of that. And we're going to have this battle. We're going to have to see what happens. All the signposting about the crypts is a bit over the top. Why would anyone think the place where all the dead folks are is safe? You know, I agree with that, Jenny. Jamie chatting up Brienne was too cute. I agree that was cute too. i to take a little break here for water. Ah, I got to have a little, sorry guys, a lot of talking from moi. Um, Brienne being knighted. I loved how they were all joining together rather than being alone on what may be the last night of their lives. All the scenes were awesome. I enjoyed Tormund's story. Though his super long drink was gross to watch. That's true. Uh, Jenny's song in the montage. That's awesome. So much for those scenes. I guess we'll see how this plays out after the battle to see who's still living. I guess we will. We shall see. Oh, hey, DJ Tim Hines is in the chat. Hey, DJ, how's it coming through on the technical side? I heard there might be a little lag there, but, you know, we're seeing I'll, I'll wait to see. I think there's a little lag in the chat. 
I'll take a moment here just to hear from DJ Tim Hinesworth. You can even text me, DJ. Then there won't be any lag. <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Everyone's hearing me good and everything. Okay, good. Good. I was getting worried about the... Uh, we had so many issues before, and DJ did so great with it that I just want to make sure that this is working properly now. Good. All right, cool. I'll get back to the feedback. Bro, you look so hot. Thank you, DJ. I appreciate that. Um, oh, I introne. Oh, I have to. What if Bran can hijack the dead Starks in the crypts? I know this. Ah, this. Okay. I'm going to go back to the feedback because I'm getting. <laughs> All right. Jenny, thank you so much for that feedback. I really appreciate it. You are the best. Jenny took me through the Mayans. We did that together. Um, and, uh, she's great with the feedback. She had more, but I have so many people I had to cut a little bit of it. And every time I cut something Jenny does, I'm like, ah, but that's good, but I got to do that. But Jenny, I appreciate your thoughts and you got us into this episode and into the emotions of it and the feelings of it, which I felt was, gosh, I watched it again. And I was like, there were many tears. All right. Now we're hearing from shadow cat Bex who I know is on her way back from, uh, what is it, Ice and Fire Con. So I hope she had a great time. Uh, she's a mod over there too on the Facebook page for what, History of Westeros, the best podcast on uh, Game of Thrones, in my opinion. Better than us. See, I am in no way think that we are the best. Uh, History of Westeros is the best. I love those guys. And gal. Uh, and gals, actually, because they always have uh, Lady Gwen on. I love this episode, Rebecca says. The writing by Brian Cogman was top-notch. Hear, hear. Now I know that his prequel was cut this week, and he said, I'm done with Westeros. Uh, that doesn't really mean much. I mean, I'll miss him. He could also come back. Guess what? This is a business. You know, there's other ones that they might do as well. We might not even get the long night. Who knows? They might shoot the pilot, and it might, they might not want to do it. And then they're calling Brian Cogman up, so... We'll see what happens. I think it made up for a lot of the lackluster reunions from episode one. Yeah, right. Like brand staring. My standout moments were Sansa and Danny, Queen in the North, Sansa and Theon's reunion. Yeah, hugs. Sir Brienne and Jenny's song. The connection of the song to Dunk and Brienne being Dunk's descendant was just wonderful. Book readers will know what she's talking about. I know, but not enough to explain it right now. So... You can look that up. Uh, and there's a theory out there that Rhaegar potentially wrote Jenny's song. Wow. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Man, I can't wait to read the books after the TV show's over. But Rebecca says, I hate Rhaegar. What? But he, but he sang songs and he played with children. I also want to address the Arya Gendry sex scene. Heath and I did not talk about this. I know there's a lot of hate out there for this. I do understand feeling weird watching, considering that we've been with Arya since she was a little girl. But oh my God, people grow up. And they have boobs and sex. I'm not super crazy about Arya's portrayal. And her seduction was a little weird. But can we talk about who deserves a great consensual sex scene with a good man that cares about her? Sansa. Can we get that one, please? And I'm not suggesting Theon. Why not? Why not? Miss Missande and Grey Worm got down. I think 
You know what? This is what I think. I'm not even saying this as a joke, okay? I'm really not because I know a lot of people joked about it. Maybe even I did. But um, why can't Theon have uh, intimate relations with someone? We don't know the extent of his injuries. And um, things like that do happen. And love is love. And if they do go that way, I'm okay with it. I'm going to say it. I'm okay with it. Um, I think that this show is about the cripples, the bastards, and the broken things. And it could be Theon. But I'm not suggesting Rebecca means it that way. Just perhaps she doesn't like that coupling. Um, But yeah, I don't know if they're going to have time for that with Sansa. I mean, I like her and Tyrion too. I think they're great together. And I think Tyrion, I think Tyrion secretly always, she was so young, but now he sees her now. He's like, okay, I was right about her. That'd be kind of beautiful, you know? And Sansa's leather armor was top notch, queen in the north. Yes, I agree. I agree. I was going to mention that actually. I forgot. I had it in my notes because that was really top notch. They, man, Cersei, they, it's like they took over once Sansa got to Winterfell. They said the way we were paying attention to Cersei's outfits, right? And how awesome they were. We're going to take that budget and give it to Sansa. And I'm all good with that. And even what she makes, because she made John that nice thing, right? That was cool too. All right. Thank you, Shadow Capex. New, a new feedbacker, Anthony. Thanks for writing in, Anthony, from England. Um, just wanted to share my thoughts on Arya's weapon. I think the reason we're being shown it so much is to reference a future death. As Arya can change her face at any time, I think she could use it while wearing someone else's face. Keep up the great work. Have been listening since the lost days. Thank you, Anthony. That's awesome. And I, you know what? There's so many things that we talk about, that we hear about, and that we um, don't end up um, talking about on the show. Uh, that we kind of forget to talk about. And one of these things is uh, Arya wearing someone else's face, which is such an obvious thing. It's so funny. Uh, Sometimes I'm thinking with Heath and I'm talking with him uh, and I listen back to the podcast because I always listen back because we've got to make sure that, uh, you know, that I don't sound like a total moron. Um, Oh, here we go. I think I fixed the sound now. Okay, the sound on YouTube should have dramatically improved right there. Look at that. I start thinking about Arya's changing face and the sound I think is going better. Yeah, there you go. All right. You're getting my mic now through YouTube, right? There you go. Thanks, Brett. Um, so we never talk about this. We always forget. And it's like the most obvious theory. Here we are talking about night snow queens and all this kind of stuff. And Heath and I consistently forget that Arya can wear other people's faces, you know? Um, and the thing I, the thing I want to know is this. I think they have established the person. She has to kill the person, right? She can't create a face of a person that's alive, can she? But we saw 
Jockin and the Waif do this, unless they're both dead and wearing other people's faces. So is it possible, and I wonder if this late in the game, since we don't know the rules of so many things in this show, could they conceivably have Arya wear the face of someone who's alive or Anthony, I love this. Thank you for writing this in. This simple sentence got me thinking. Is Arya wearing is Arya wearing someone's face a signal to us for the first time that someone's dead? Like, will we learn not only that that this per will like okay? For instance, if we see Tyrion kill Cersei, all right, and then boop takes it off, it's Arya. Not only is Cersei dead, but Tyrion's dead, right? So are we going to get some kind of double reveal, like Lost style? All the Lost heads know what I'm talking about, where you're like, what, what? Wait, we thought that, and then we learned that, and um, we could do that. This could happen. This could definitely happen. And I don't like when people say this, but I'm going to say it. I will be there for it. As people say, I'm only going to say that once a podcast. So I get to say it. All right. Now I'm very excited. How, now I'm, I'm going to look how many people we got in the chat. We got some people going, Oh, look, it's Brett, Tim and Iatrone. I love it. See anybody else come join us. Come, come dancing. I'm retweeting it. All the sisters well, was just a kid. Everybody come dancing. It's only natural. Do, 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 do. I'm writing this into the thing. This is going to be weird for the podcast when you hear me doing YouTube things. Because you all know I can't help but comment on everything I'm doing. Like every time I take a glass of water or something like that. Ooh, I'm going to put that on there. I always comment on it. Um, how do I share this now? Oh, God, I'm not going to do that to y'all. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm frozen. Okay, that's not good. All right. Did my OBS shut down or something? Oh, I stopped streaming. That was strange. Okay. All right, I'm back up. Okay, I'm back up, right? Not quite sure why that happened. I may have hit a wrong button uh, on the OBS. Sorry about that, guys. <clears throat> this is a learning experience with the YouTube. And something I've seen is um, even folks who have been doing it a long time have problems with YouTube. So it makes me feel better. As a technical person who expects everything to go to go perfectly, as DJ Tim Hines can tell you, I get a little anal about things. It's good when... Uh, when you kind of see, I don't want to have like schadenfreude that other people are in trouble, but it makes you know that it's normal and it makes me relax when, when things like that happen, I can't get crazy about it because, uh, part of the YouTube thing is just kind of chatting. So Anthony, thank you so much. I appreciate, um, that email. That was awesome. And now I'm going to go to Brett, the Lord of light has blessed us with Brett and what Brett, oh, as I tweet this out, what Brett has uh, come with is another Night Queen, Queen theory. Now, this could happen tonight, okay? I'm telling you right now that this, I'm going to share this, hold on. 
This could happen tonight because I have a vision and this is a vision. Um, wait, say live. I'm going to put on the front of this live now. Live now. All right, cool. Um, I had a vision and this was my vision. My vision is this. Okay, Brett. I'm going to get to your theory, Brett, but I want to say how it could happen. All right. We're getting this crazy battle on the ground. The camera starts moving in and out of Winterfell, right up from the crypts to the large, like kind of main congregating area where people enter up into rooms and the battle, the dead are pouring in the windows. We go out through a window and what is that in the sky? It's the dragons. It's Danny and John taking flight. The Night King comes up to meet them. We're going to get it. We're going to get this awesome dragon battle in the sky. If only they had saddles. That's all I can think. If only they had saddles. Did Tyrion make saddles for the Battle of Winterfell? Please, Uncle Tyrion, make the saddles. Anyway, they're flying up. It's super amazing. Then... You know, we get all these kind of dog fights going on. They're going past each other. And we're thinking, like, how are they actually going to fight? Like, are they going to, like, swing things? I mean, they're tiny on those dragons. So they're, like, breathing fire at each other and swirling around it. And then Danny breathes fire, right? Her 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 uh, dragon, Drogon, right? She's got Drogon. Breathes fire at the Night King. He swirls, he he does an upside down swirl, comes up, and as he comes up, his dragon goes sideways, he's sideways on the dragon, right? The wings perpendicular, right? And he reaches out his hand and scrapes his hand along Drogon as he's flying. And Drogon turns into a White Walker mid-flight with Danny on top. Now, could this turn Danny into the Night Queen, or that he t- maybe he touches Danny too or something? I just had that image. I had to get it out of my mind. Perhaps Drogon then takes Danny, and they go off. And the whole thing was not to take Winterfell. It was to either is was to get Danny, get John, get the dragon, get. Br- I like the way they made it around. Get Bran. The reason why I'm saying this is, yeah, they get claim right. Iron Throne. They get. They become a White Walker, right? Just like the little baby. So when we went north of the Wall, we saw there was a plan, and I believe 100 percent that they were brought to that mountain on purpose by the Night King, that the vision in the fire was not a vision from R'hllor, the you know, all this uh, Lord of Light, Uh uh-uh. Because I don't even think that exists. I think that it was the Night King, and he was fooling them. And I think he's done it before, throughout the series, maybe the, the Shadow Baby, the Leeches, other things too, Okay. So, could it be that the Battle of Winterfell has an ulterior motive as well? We've been talking about him going down to get Cersei and doing a two-front battle. I like that idea. But if not, I'm wondering more and more about his strategy going into this battle. And I think 
This could be the night, though. If it's not Drogon or a dragon, it's Danny or John that gets changed, taken down, kidnapped, something. I had a whole crazy theory that Danny was pregnant and the Night King was going to take her and they're going to go back to the Night Castle and Danny's going to have a baby and we're going to fast forward like three years. Everybody thought they, the dead left and it's a new Night King or something. I don't know, man. I get nuts. I don't think any of that's going to happen. But I do think we should be prepared, be prepared, Brett, that this could be the uh, the happening tonight. So I'm going to take a drink of water and then I'm going to read Brett theory with contradicts what I just said, but that's fine. Ah, water, the sustenance of life. Brett. Here we go. Now, see, he starts already, and I don't agree with this, but I'm going with it, Brett. The Lord of Light's powers have shown to be legit, i.e. the Shadow Baby, Beric, and John Resurrections. It seems like the Lord of Light has been orchestrating a plan. The Night King also has legit powers, and he seems he has a plan, part of which is hibernating until recent years when the stars began to align. Ask LML about that. Daenerys and her dragons rising to power means an opening for him to steal a dragon to take down the wall during this during a time when Westeros is ravaged by multiple wars and in turmoil. So what if the Lord of Light and the Night King have the same plan, but with the goal of opposite outcomes? The Night King could turn Daenerys into the Night Queen. Oh, baby. Because he believes they will coalesce and bring an invincibility to his quest. Don't forget, Brett has the theory that if Danny becomes the Night Queen, she's invincible because she's Targaryen and White Walker. Meanwhile, perhaps the Lord of Light also wants Danny to become the Night King. Because if she does, the Lord of Light envisions that she will supplant the Night King and be transformed into the Fire Queen. Replacing the Eternal Winter with... An eternal spring of light and rebirth. The magic to resurrect the dead is there, but a dead person does not have to arise a ghoulish monster. They could arise a person like John, like Beric, lesser, but with renewed perspectives. It's a fun alternative to the princess who was promised prophecy. I said it all. Brett, I really like this. Now, I'm willing to believe that there is a Lord of Light. Back in the day, I did believe that. I had a theory a while back that the Lord of Light was going to show up, and you're going to see that the Lord of Light and the Night King are going to try to like work together, you know? Um, or or that they that was going to be the real fight, a real battle we were going to see. So all of this kind of talk, I'm open to all of it, Brett. I'm open to all of it. And the, I, this idea that you have that there's a higher level game happening is what I like. And it's, got to say it, it's lost thinking, baby, right? They always went up a level. And great shows do that. You know, The Wire, everything, they take it up. You think it's cops and robbers. Oh my gosh, it's this, it's this, it's this. It's multiple levels of people who are involved, right? Um, it's just like when you're watching 24 and you're like, they got to talk to the president at some time. And then you're like, oh my God, the president's a spy. Um, there's something bigger than that. So 
You're right. It's really interesting. And last night I went down a rabbit hole of listening to uh, LML on History of Westeros and then some of his pods. And I just love all his theories about the Night King. If you all haven't heard them yet, go listen because he talks about it so interestingly. And I feel like I'm back in, in college deconstructing novels and writing papers. And I love that. And that's why I'm looking forward to reading the books because that's what we do with TV now. I like this theory, Brett. I think it's interesting, but I don't, again, you got to say, is the show going to go there? But something is up with Danny this season. Okay. Jenny was talking about it. I think Rebecca mentioned it. She, she, something is up with Danny. She's, she just, uh, she's just, Something's up. So we'll see. And you know, I want to say about theories. I love all types of crazy theories, but I also don't attach myself to them. As a human being, I practice non-attachment. So look it up. Um, And I practice that in theories too. I like to let my mind wander and extrapolate it and go, 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 but always with the thought, If that doesn't happen, that's okay. I always like to be wrong. I know Brett's the same way. Because when you're wrong, you're surprised, you're interested, and your mind gets activated. I don't get defensive when I'm wrong. I open myself up more because it's a sign that I can learn and that there's a new way I can look at something. So I enjoy going down the rabbit hole because for me, I don't fear getting lost. I know what reality is. Uh, it's my wife and kids, not a TV show. (laughs) Off we go. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, and the people in the community who are more important to me than anything like that. Uh, Brett says, I'm gravely worried about little Sam. He's the biological half brother of most of the white walkers. We do talk about little Sam and I get worried about him too. Oh man. You know, that's right. And he brings up the Chris, the, the Crips. Could somebody be, you know, specifically sent as they were sent to go get Bran, to go get little Sam and kind of complete the set, you know, is, you know, the Night King is like, I have every Craster card except for the ultra rare little Sam, which had an error on the back. Uh, it would be great. To see that happen because not that I want little Sam to get in trouble, but just because he's been such a focus of so many of these little weird theories. And I think it would be very fun uh, if that went down. That would be really cool. Thank you, Brett. Love your feedback. Brett's the best. He'll be back on the show, of course, always. John Wambacher, patron. Patreon.com slash DVR and a public servant, soon to be president. What do you think about Theon? I feel like he was stealthily creeped into the most endearing redemption arc. He probably has just about as much chance of Brienne as surviving the night, but you never know. Um, Yeah, like I said earlier, I kind of buy Theon now. I kind of like him. He's very earnest and the actor is amazing, of course. Uh, And, you know, I fast forward through all that Ramsey junk, uh, no pun intended, when I did my rewatch, because there's no point in watching it, except for some of the parts I did stop only because Alfie Allen is such a great actor. And I was like, wow, this guy, 
He's great. And that hug with him in Sansa, I liked it. But I think you're probably right. Theon's probably headed for the old bye-bye, especially when his sister's going to the Iron Islands. So we got that covered. Um, where is little Robin Aaron? I predict an episode four dragon attack on the Eerie. We might have a chance to see a Harrenhal style assault that results in sweet Robin's demise by the Night King. Oh, interesting. Maybe while everyone's fighting at Winterfell, the Night King's just going to take his dragon and go around Westeros, burning everybody up, creating an army to come from the other side. Maybe he's already doing it. Um, I, what happened to little Robin Aaron? Man, that actor was good. He was good. I almost wish he was Ramsey because he had a much more disturbed way about him. Ramsey, ah, man, I like that actor. What's his name again? Reese or something? Or, but he just, I, I have to say it just, Ramsey was always too, too much for me. It was too much. You know, little Robin Aaron though, creepy, creepy, creepy. Remember when he starts messing up Sansa's cat, gets upset at Sansa with the, with the ice castle. That was creepy. DJ Tim Hines says, maybe he's just coming for little Sam, the Night King. Maybe. Uh, Thank you, John, for your email. Much appreciated. Jim from Canada. Tyrion spent some time with Bran off screen during this episode. What do you think they talked about? And will that affect the battle or future episodes? Did Tyrion learn something? I think he did. He always does. He drinks. He knows things. And when he's drinking, he learns things. So I don't know what it's going to be, Jim, but 100% it's going to come into play. He's going to whisper something to somebody. He's going to say something to Bran. Uh, He gained knowledge there. It's interesting that the three sharpest minds, Tyrion, Sam, and Bran are all getting to know each other. Hope it pays off. Yes, please. They had no time for it yet, but I want to see a separate intelligence council. You know, where they just sit and talk about history. Look, Bran knows everything, but he can't access it, right? So he Bran's the internet, Sam is Google, and Tyrion is the person typing into Google, right? So that's how they can all work together. And if they do that, and they work together and they just have conversations like we're doing now. This show gets so meta. You know, it's so important how it shows how, you know, just like with Lost, we made it together. And then we totally um, do the same thing here with Game of Thrones. We make the community together. And the show is about the pack survives. And that's amazing. And I love that kind of meta stuff because it makes you feel good about sitting here in front of a mic and YouTube uh, on a Sunday. So Jim, I hope they do get together because that would be the triumphant right there. The three smarty pants. I like that. Thank you, Jim from Canada for your email. All right. Time for the mid ad break. Just want to say thank you to cufflinks.com for supporting the show, supporting podcast Winterfell. We're making it happen. Go to cufflinks.com. Use code DVR 20, get 20% off your order at any time. No minimum. Also, Endgame 30, 
GOT20. They don't, they're, they're trying to get you to save, man. They want you to get their amazing products like Oxen Bowl. Check that out. And the Marvel, DC, NCAA, NFL. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Ando, Ando Calrissian. How you doing, buddy? You got to see uh, Endgame yesterday in the snow. But he's got to get back out there into those fields, baby. Send me some pics, Ando. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it just? Isn't this the first time we've seen Tyrion really drink hard in a while? It was also right after he talked with Bran. I knew I put these emails together for some reason. Hmm. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen Tyrion drink heavily before a big battle. But what if he was drinking heavily because of something Bran told him? Tyrion's probably just convinced that everybody's going to die. But it's fun to think about, much like the last scene, much like last season, when Tyrion went back to talk to Cersei again, I really wish we had seen more of that conversation. And everybody thought something happened during that conversation. And we still don't know. So, I don't know. We shall see, Ando. That is interesting. I wish Jim was here and I could say, hey, Jim, what do you think about that? You could say, Axel, it's possible. Let's see. Uh, Up until I listened to the round table, that's our round table we do on Monday. We're going to be doing another one. No, no, if we're doing YouTube for the round table, but we're going to release it as a podcast. We got some good people. I think Brian from Japan. Uh, We got Broke Black Man 94. I think that's the number at the end. His YouTube name is, is, sometimes get confused with YouTube. We got like a bunch of different names. Like, I'm not Podcast Winterfell, I'm Axel. Um, Sometimes I don't know what to call the person. The internet's strange. People have all different names. But anyway, he's coming on the show. That's going to be awesome. Up until I listened to this roundtable, I was convinced we would see Brienne die. Brienne seemed to get everything she wanted out of life in this episode. Usually that means a character's going to die. You've been watching The Walking Dead like me, Andy. Uh, I think it was Gina who predicted that she won't die, but Jamie would die in her arms. Oy. I had always been with Heath and others that said Jamie will end up killing Cersei, but I love that idea from Gina so much. I now think we see Jamie die this week. I don't know. When I think of these people dying, I think of if their story's over. And you know what? With Jamie, a good th- a thing about Game of Thrones is people don't always die when their story's over. It becomes apparent that it's over after they died. So Jamie could go. I don't know. I'm bad at the death pool stuff. Howard has predictions at the end. I'll use his as mine. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this talk of Jon Snow gaining some kind of superpower. I think we may have already... I had a, I had a, a conversation with Heath and we had talked about Jon Snow kind of um, leveling up to the next level of undead Targaryen Snow children hybrid person that he is with powers of all inside of him maybe he can do what the night king can do um but andy says something that other people said but i i love the way andy said it maybe we've already seen it it's not a traditional superpower but what if the only way defeat to defeat the white walkers is for men to put aside their petty bullshit and band together it sounds a little corny, but I think it could work. John is the one person that has been able to unite most of Westeros. 
They are basic, basically representatives of every major family and group at Winterfell right now fighting with him. Tyrion was the one who convinced Danny to give John a chance. So even though he came for Danny, he's a supporter of John. The only ones that aren't really there for John are the Unsullied and the Dothraki who are there for Danny. But Danny came for John. The men flat out beating the walkers because they are unified is probably too simple of a way for a battle to resolve, but I have been giving it a lot of thought as a possibility. Andy, I really think this is the counter to the tweet I had saying that John has not had his hero moment. Um, is that he is the hero, right? And his hero moment is being himself. And we don't need a hero moment. We don't need a, um, what you're saying isn't corny. Sometimes the hero moment is corny. Bobo, the soul, I have the power. Right, He-Man? Maybe we don't need that. Maybe we just need John to be a guy who listens to people and talks to them and has passion, and has empathy, and has love. I like that, Andy. I like it a lot. But I still want to see him kick ass, Andy. I do. I know I'm, I know I'm contradicting myself, and I agree with that thought, but I do kind of think we need it. Joe Bear is here. What up, Joe? I do think we need it. I think we need John to finally have people not questioning him. Right? They question him if he really was going to, if he really um, was not on the Night's Watch and he had joined the Wildlings. It were, people were always questioning him. I know they were right, but then when he became the commander of the Night's Watch, everyone's questioning him. Then Stannis comes. Oh, everyone's questioning him, right? Then he lets the Wildlings in. Then they kill him. Then he goes and they say, okay, you're king of the North. Oh, now you're leaving. We don't like you. We like your sister. Then he comes with Danny. We don't like you. So I just finally want people to say, who's the hero of the story? Jon Snow. That's the hero. He's the hero of the story. Or a hero of the story. An undisputed hero. There doesn't always have to be one. Danny can be a hero as the Night Queen. Brett, right? Um, I just... Uh, Oh my God, Joe had a great comment in the tweet, in the chat here. This is for my house Starkheads. That's got to be the new name of your uh, house show, DJ Tim Hines. I, I did the DJ Tim Hines voiceovers too for that, right? This is for my how, 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 how Stark house heads live with DJ Tim Hines. Rocket, rocket, yeah. All right. Woo, baby. I got down on that one. All right. Ando, thank you so much. You're the best. A new writer in her, Adrian, Alt Adrian. When Jamie and Tyrion were talking outside the castle battlements, Tyrion was talking about his death. Jamie walked out of the frame and Tyrion made this seemingly throwaway line about how after he dies, he may just march down the King's Landing and rip her apart. In reference to Cersei, do you think this comment is a nod to or a confirmation of the Valencar theory? 
even though it isn't show canon. That theory is that part of Cersei's prophecy was that her a younger brother would kill her or a brother would kill her. I think it was younger because technically Dan, uh, Jamie, I think, is younger. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with the theory. Maybe there's a reason they didn't include it in the show, um, which we'll know in a month. But I did catch this too. And I tweeted this out and I was like, oh, wait a second. This is a man. Come on. They're just dropping hints here. Um, So maybe it's not Tyrion. Maybe it's someone else. And if I'm going to blend theories here, what happens if Arya could Arya march with the dead pretending she's a white? Is that possible? Could she, could Arya actually take the face of a white and infiltrate the army and march down to King's Landing and kill Cersei. That's why I think a lot of people have said with Tyrion's face, right? Interesting. Could it be Tyrion or a white? Maybe it's a white Tyrion. You know, it's very, that's very interesting. A lot of crazy theories going on there, right? You just never do know. Um, that's good. Uh, Adrian wanted to say, the other thought I wanted to discuss was everyone's favorite punching bag, Sansa. I actually wanted to defend her in her reception of Danny. If we take a moment to examine Sansa's relationship to powerful women, we can see that she has every reason to distrust women in power. Every one of them that she has encountered thus far, from Cersei to Marjorie and ending with Liza, has always started off very nice, only for her to find out later that they would betray or manipulate her in some way story of her life, right? So it's very understandable, including the themes of and desires of wanting to be a princess and queen. So it is very understandable that Sansa would not just jump on the girl power train and accept Danny at face value because three times before she had done so and three times she got screwed. Oh, so far upon Sansa meeting Danny, this is great. She had a larger write out of this, but this, this gives this good. It was a good, thank you, Adrian. I appreciate it. Danny has already pulled the Cersei, right? She was nice. And then, uh, you know, she don't kill people. Then in this, uh, she pulled the hand away. Then in this episode, Danny tried the Marjorie coming in and trying to relate to her and be her best friend, holding her hands, mirroring the way Marjorie used to hold her hand as they bonded. To what end? To secure the North, just as Marjorie tried to do? Will Danny try to pull Eliza next? Perhaps Danny has shown that she can have a tendency towards craziness when the perception of her power is threatened. So I think I'm team Sansa in the Sansa versus Danny battle. What do you guys think? Um, this was a great, alleg- a great uh, mirror that Adrian made between um, Cersei, Marjorie, and Liza. And the way Danny has acted like each of them in the way that she has related to Sansa in the short time that she's known her in these two episodes. Look, I'm team Sansa too. 
I really think that Sansa has done absolutely nothing weird or wrong. Last season, she spoke up in front of everybody. That was not the right thing to do. She was learning her power. John had to talk to her. And he said, don't come on. Just like, come talk to me after, you know, not in front of everybody, which I thought was cool. I think she learned. Um, I think with da- I think with Danny, Sansa has been incredibly welcoming. Uh, in in reference to really what's going on here with perhaps does she even know about John's parentage? You don't know what Bran has told her. He seems to tell her everything. And and when Arya said Sansa's the smartest person I know, maybe that was also a clue to us, meaning Sansa knows everything. Right. Um, I had another email that I'm not going to have time for today uh, that was written to me by. Let me scroll down because I have it in my notes, Albert. Okay, and he went through um, a really great explanation of what happened last season. And what he's trying to say is that Sansa. No, basically, he was kind of standing up for Sansa that Sansa knows about things, about her sis. She knew about Arya. She knew about Littlefinger. She knew things from Bran. That she has become the nexus of information and for of people to trust too. You see the way she's talking to, uh, what's his name? Bron Yoyce, is that his name? How she's talking to him off to the side all the time. S- things happen on this show that we don't see. And we can trust them. When John was made the Lord Commander, and then we come back, you know, like an episode later, and it's a bit, t- a bit of time has passed. We realize, okay, some people that maybe weren't keen on it have followed him now, or we see the way that when he let the wildlings in, it took time for people to. We could, we didn't, we didn't see all the. Uh, Night Watch going, oh, I hate John. Let's plan against them. It just happened, right? So we have to take um, for granted that these type of things are happening with Sansa, right? She's, oh, uh, I think it's Shayna uh, in the chat says she's her mother's daughter. She knows what to do. She talks to people. She learns from people. She gathers the information, right? In a way, too, that's great because Catelyn had to do some jobs that Ned wouldn't do, right? Ned was such a like a by-the-book dude. Like if somebody said something, he's like, it has to be that way. And I'm sure that Caitlin a lot of times, and we saw in the first season, she had to come to him and say, Ned, this is what's really happening. So I like that. That's a good comparison. Very good. Um, I think that's a great Adrian or Adrian, thank you very much for writing in. That was a great letter. Dennis, Dennis from the, from the North past the wall of Canada. Bran gets killed by the night King, but not before he wargs into one of the dragons. Maybe even the one, the night King turned Bran then kills the night King as the dragon. (laughs) (coughs) I love this stuff. You know, the thing is, we say everything's crazy until it happens. So it's fun to think about it. Um, could Bran do that? I don't know. 
I think that the Night King is warging into all of these things. I think I have thought this before. And actually, when I was listening to LML and History of Westeros last night, LML had said it too, that the Night King has warg powers. Maybe before he was turned into the Night King, he was a green seer. He was a warg. He already had that power. I mean, we know that, like you know, the northern people are the are the are the, are the children mutants. They probably had sex with the children. The Targaryens or the Valerians, you know, the Targaryen, the last one left, are the dragon people. They did the magic blood spells and they mixed the blood. They did their genetic experiments. So, I think that I don't know if that's possible. And I think that the Night King is stronger than Bran because look how he touched Bran through a vision, right? Um, LML has the idea that the Night King is trying to destroy the Werewood Network, you know that. But I kind of think maybe he is the Werewood Network just as much as Bran is, and they both have to be destroyed in order for it to kind of be reborn. You know, that's my the Harry Potter. I think that's the way it's going. The opening credits continue to show the advancement of the Army of the Dead. This will continue until the final episode because they are finally defeated in the penultimate episode. The opening credits then flip the tiles back from the ice blue of the Dead Army to their original color and will go in the opposite direction from King's Landing to the Wall. Not only is this a fantastic theory and idea about the credits, Dennis, but you spelled color with a U, which I love. Color should have a U in it, okay? It's not color. It's color. I like that. I like the U, okay? Hail Canada. Um, I appreciate that, Dennis. That is straight up smart thinking. I think they would do that. I think that would be super fun and cool. I think it would make everybody happy. And I wonder why it would go back to the wall. Because I have a feeling that everything that starts somewhere ends somewhere. And this battle is not going to end in Westeros. This battle will end north of the wall. I still think it's quite possible that what we will be tuning into tonight is the Night King taking over all of Westeros, defeating them soundly, rolling over, and the Battle of Winterfell over in the first half hour, and then he just keeps on rolling on the King's Landing and takes it all. Crazy. I know, but I just, I don't know. I kind of feel like, I just don't feel like this is going to be an hour and a half at one place again. You know, I mean, for three episodes in a row, I just don't feel like that. I feel like it is a trick. It's a trap and we are going to get spun. But if we don't, and it's an hour and a half battle at Winterfell, guess what? I'm going to be super happy and it's going to be awesome. So let's see. How's my live stream going? It's still going good. Oh, Eintrone's still there. How you doing? It's so nice to have people in the chat watching. Thank you, everyone, for watching. That's very nice. I uh, know I haven't done this that much before. Um, let's see. John Lee. Okay. Something that has happened almost every... John Lee is a new feedback person. Thank you, John. I appreciate you. Something that has happened almost every season, and it's John like our hero, John, J-O-N. 
Something that's happened almost every season since season two is a hero or army saving the day right at the moment of defeat. Like the Rohan in Lord of the Rings. Battle of the Blackwater, Tywin and the Tyrell army. Battle of the Wall, Stannis. Battle of Marine, Danny. Battle of the Bastards, the Vale. Operation Steal a Zombie, Danny. Who will play the Rohan when the Battle of Winterfell goes down? I love this because he did the candidates and I got more. Candidates, the Blackfish with the Tully Frey army. I like this, but would they really do that much? I mean, I feel like it'd just be more for the uh, more for the dead army. Though I love the Blackfish. I think he might be dead, but maybe he will come back, right? Howland and Mira Reed with the Cronog men. I'm not sure who that is. I'm not a book reader, but I think I did hear something on a podcast about Howland uh, Reed created having like almost like a mercenary army, not a mercenary, but like a special ops team. And that would be cool. I like that. Mira coming back, maybe even a little magical, you know, excuse me, Melisandre and an army of red robed perky titty shadow, <laughs> shadow women. Uh, that could be true. That could be true. Um, she is supposed to die in Westeros, right? Could you imagine? Well, you say in a funny way, but imagine an army of women, an army of red women. That would be pretty cool and pretty powerful, especially with all the power dynamics that these goes. And also, let's not forget one thing that is rarely mentioned and talked about is that the White Walkers are all men. There's no women, right? Now, I know we have um, this kind of book mention of a uh, a night queen, queen in the past at the wall, and I won't get all into that. But, John, <coughs> excuse me, this is a really cool idea because I had not considered that if you have an ice-cold army of dudes, how about a red-hot army of women? to go against it. And I think that would be pretty cool if that happened. Oh, I saw in the chat, Kragan men, the people of the reeds. Okay. Okay, cool. I like that. Um, that's pretty interesting. I, but you know what? I think that that would, uh, I, I had not, I've, th- I had thought of Melisandre coming before John, definitely without a doubt. Um, I think a lot of people had because it's a magical element. And I think that when you start thinking about the ways that they could defeat the army of the dead, Andy said, Hey, maybe it's just people banding together and that would be awesome. But I don't just don't know if that's possible. Now I was listening to another podcast where somebody said they had done the statistics and statistically they could beat them, but I don't just the me i think that you would have so many people i don't know just the psychological import of a dead army is enough i think to for people not to be able to overcome especially when so many of them are not warriors i don't know so that's why i like the melisandre i didn't think about like an all female army that would be pretty cool um dario with the second sons and everyone else from essos that would be kind of uh, Dario. I like the idea of Dario um, bringing the second sons and other people 
from Essos too, maybe Varus got on the horn and sent a raven to some people. Maybe, um, we'll see, uh, Yara, Asha, and the Ironborn. Uh, I don't know about that because I don't know how Theon has a bunch of them, right? And I think, I still think there is a chance that this might just end, like I said, with everybody getting taken out and Cersei, Euron, Danny, John, a couple of other people meeting up in the Iron Islands, sitting there and going, uh, well, uh, we're all fucked. You know, what are we going to do? The Night King just destroyed us all. We're on the Iron Islands. What, should, what do we have? And then someone intercedes. Um, I also thought of this. There has been talk in books, I guess, you know, in Legends of Lore, that there are other dragons. And when I listened to um, Fire and Blood, there were wild dragons and there were sup- there were surprising things that dragons did and places they gave birth, right? And eggs. And where did those eggs come from that Danny has? Okay. So is it possible that there's other dragon riders that Danny and John are not the end and the night King that Melisandre will come with other dragons? I just, in the same way, that we were talking about upper levels before. This is a perfect time for that to happen. It might not. You know what? We could get a battle of the bastards down and dirty fight till the end. You know, people die. We, how it ends, it ends. Nothing else crazy happens plot wise in this episode. And guess what? I'd be happy. That's awesome. But this is the perfect time. If the game is going to change, this is the time to do it. This is definitely time to do it. John con- concludes going to be that going to be a hell of a fucking episode. It is John, and thank you very much for writing in. Write in again, man. I like the way you put that together. Um, it is going to be a hell of an episode. I'm going to conclude with Howard. Howard was uh, wrote in a lot for us on True Detective, and he really broke it down. He was great. Howard is awesome. So Howard has a little bit of a death pool going on here. And I'm going to get to that last, but first I want to do his theories. And this is coming off what we just said. Given the Double D's affinity for armies arriving at critical moments in battle and bringing about a reversal of the outcome, like Tywin Lannister, by look, we did all that. Well, hold your hats. What if Melisandre rides in? Commanding an army <laughs> for the uh, day for the defending Bran and Winterfell. The only problem is what army? I, I thought you were going to answer that, Howard. Next time you got to tell me. But he's on the same tip too. See, a lot of people have that idea. I I think it very likely that the Night King skips Winterfell and makes a beeline for King's Landing. John and the crew will then defeat the army of the dead although Winterfell is likely to get decimated. Now, see this, that's why I wanted to read this, Howard, because we had already talked about this two fronts theory, but I had not considered that the absence of the Night King could end up being a deciding factor in why John wins, or John, Danny, the whole crew wins. And then they have to kind of march and try to take King's Landing. 
right? They make that decision. Are we going to go take it away from the Night King and kill him? Like kind of flip the switch, right? That is a great idea. I had really not considered that strategically, Howard. The last one is the most obvious and thereby most likely to happen. The raising of the dead in the crypts. We've been told far too many times that the crypts are the safest. There's nothing farther from the truth. Just a mass of undead that are going to come back to life. I don't think we're going to see Ned's headless skeleton, though. Um, I I wanted to bring this up, Howard, and everyone's saying this. I had a tweet about it, and it's so true. But there was an alternate theory to this that some people had, which is, what happens if Bran is somehow able to control them, or John, or someone, or maybe there's some kind of magic down there? And they actually rise up to protect the people that are in the crypts. The reason why I'm attracted to this theory is because I originally started out with Kyburn, thinking that Kyburn could find a way to disrupt the link between the dead and the White Walkers because he had invested so much time in his work. The work must continue, dear my queen, um, into the mountain. So maybe he knows about the dead and he is a maester. I kind of wanted Kyburn and Bran and Sam and Tyrion to hang out. But the thought that this could happen some different way, right? And we could see it here at Winterfell and that this the whole thing, why they're yelling at us, the crypts are the crypts are safe, the crypts are safe. And then our natural reaction is to say, crypts are where, it's a cemetery. Okay, it's a cemetery in a basement. Why is that safe? Um, this is an obvious thing for you to say. So to come back with, oh, okay, let's see what happens. The dead do rise and then they actually protect the people there and they fight for Winterfell, which would give us a triumphant feeling and a feeling for the first time in a long time that there was hope for the the living, hope for magic too. Like I've been saying that they have to accept magic, not fight against it, that this is a world of magic. They all have it in their blood. So I don't think this story is about the end of magic. I think this story is about humans finally not chopping down the weirwood trees, finally not killing the giants, finally not um, having to control the dragons and use them as battle elements uh, or weapons, but letting them live, you know, like how to train a dragon. Like maybe uh, the best way to train it is to leave it alone. Why you got to train the dragon? Why don't you let the dragon go? Why don't the dragon train you? Um, but I like that idea. Okay. I like the idea of the magic being on the good side and not Danny killing everybody, but standing up and showing a little person that it's in them, you know, like star Wars, baby, right? We're all, you know, all I'm talking about, spoiler alert, end of one movie, where we're all little ones, all the little ones, the big ones, all of us, we're all part of the universe. We all have the magic. We're all Jedis, baby. 
That's why I never liked the midichlorines, you know? It's like, uh, you're better than me. You have a higher level of midichlorines. No, that's not what Star Wars is about. I never minded that they said it. It's the way they said it, the levels, right? It should be that you create the midichlorines yourself, right? It's self-determination, which is so much of what this show is about. People seeking that, seeking agency, seeking power, but also seeking agency over their own life and choices and responsibility to others. Uh, And with that responsibility comes things like love and empathy and caring, which I hope can be a part of that. And what's more kind of cool and empathetic than than the dead rising to protect Winterfell? I like that idea. I think it's kind of cool. All right, that is all the feedback I have. Wow, I got through it all. How are we doing on YouTube? Is this, does this look good? I didn't even check myself on my phone. Let's see. Uh, I did read your call out, DJ. I know you told me to read. I, DJ says, you told me to look at your phone during YouTube so you could see if everything's going okay. And then you didn't do it. He's absolutely right. I'm the worst, DJ. Um, this is cool. All right. Yeah, we're going good. We got some people going on. That's fun. Oh, we got some, give me a little thumbs up and subscribe if you like peoples. Oh, we got six people. That's not bad. Got some peoples watching. Um, anyway, uh, more YouTube. There will be more YouTube. This went well. I'm just getting used to it and I'll announce it. You know, I didn't announce it too long. I gave you like 15 minutes. I know, uh, in the future I'll do it days ahead for next week. I'm going to probably do it around the same time on Sunday, so I will do it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do it now. And then people can have reminders and they'll know it's going to happen for the whole week, uh, instead of 15 minutes before, because my voice is kind of leaving me, but I appreciate everybody being here and I'm willing to go a little bit longer. If people want to talk about anything in the chat, um, uh, I see, uh, Shana, if I'm pronouncing that right, is, is isn't there something in the books about the crypts being protected like magic? And yeah, I have heard about that, but we also have to think that there's a lot of magic that's in the books. That's not in the show. So I don't know if they've really done that. Um, you know, I don't know if they'd really go there. That's why I think it would have to be attributed to like brand controlling them or something of that nature, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think that they're going to say the crypts are magical or they're protected in any way. I just don't see that happening. Um, all right. I think that's, uh, that's it for me. I'm going to check this stream. I've gone about an hour or so. Uh, I think that's good. Thanks everybody for being in the chat. Thanks. I'm going to try, I'm going to release this as a podcast immediately and I'm not going to do too much editing. So if you're listening to the podcast and you hear all the YouTube talk and about that, I apologize, but we're getting, we're working it out. And at least you get to have some fun feedback for today as you get ready for the episode, which is wow. And not, not too long, right? It's, uh, What's it? It's almost two o'clock. It's going to come. Oh my God. The episode's in like an hour and a half, two hours, right? On the, on the East coast. Oh no, it's nine o'clock. It's six o'clock me. So we got about four or five hours to go. (laughs) I always get confused. I grew up in New Jersey and now I live in Oregon. So it does get confusing for me. 
Um, and once again, thank you, LA Juice, for that great iTunes review. I, uh, I showed that to Ken, and he, he really was touched. You know, it really does mean a lot when people say nice things, and we appreciate it because, you know, the internet can be a tough. Four hours and 37 minutes, I Trone says. All right, that's it for me on the YouTube. I don't think uh, I got anything out. I'm trying to think of what other crazy theories could happen tonight. The dragon could turn. Oh, I had an idea. How about this? How about in the middle of the battle, we get some crazy brand Night King existing in the Weirwood network or in history or brand goes into a vision. I don't know. I'm just thinking this season, we haven't had any visions, right? And we haven't seen any of that weird stuff. So maybe we'll get a peek behind that curtain tonight. I just think we're getting so set up for a straight ahead, the longest battle ever, uh, hard home, all that kind of stuff, you know? And I just think that it's possible that we could get a kind of narrative switch here, right? Um, A flashback, a flash forward, a flash sideways, go somewhere where we've never been before, um, begin it at the end. Um, just, I just feel like they could do something different with the way they tell the story tonight that if I were directing this, if I were writing this, I would just say, we have all the attention focused in one place. We, this is the perfect opportunity to open people up to something totally new and different. And I think that would be super cool. All right, everyone, let's see. I'm going to go over. uh, I have to remember how to do this first. Oh, I can just stop the stream uh, right in YouTube. So thanks again. If you're watching, subscribe, go to podcastwinterfeld.com. And if you're listening on the podcast, go to YouTube and subscribe. The link will be in the show notes. I'll be back tonight with Roberto and later in the week with Heath Snowlow, and I'll be back here on Sunday next week. I like doing Sunday. I'll be back here Sunday on next week uh, to talk again. Thank you all for watching and listening. Take care, people.